Welcome to the Recruitment Radio Podcast. My name's Dan Dor, and every month I'll be interviewing a different recruitment leader, asking them to share some stories uh, and some wisdom from their distinguished careers. I'll also be asking them to select and talk us through four pieces of music or four tracks um, that will feature in my monthly playlist available on Spotify through um, the Powerhive network. The playlists I've put together are multi-generational. That means I've selected tracks from the last five decades um, and also multi-genre. So soul, funk, hip-hop, house, drum and bass, techno, anything that I'm into really. Um, And they've been chosen by me in response to one of the common disagreements of what music should be playing in the workplace. Um, The playlists actually usually start off pretty chilled and relaxed and build from there. Um, They reflect my wide ear in music and my taste in music. And I've had so much fun putting them together. So I hope you lot will dig them too. Um, So my guest this month is one of the founders of the Power Hive, my good friend, Mr. Sean McCleary. Um, Sean spent the last 18 years in the recruitment sector, covering technology, engineering, uh, and energy. He's got a very similar background to myself, um, starting at the bottom, right? Yeah. Working, working his way up as a trainee at S3. Um, I think I noted there was a personal achievement uh, of over 100 placements in three years. Yeah. I, I worked that out to be a, a, a placement yield yeah. per month of 2.77, which I think in niche <laughs> technical STEM, cell, STEM um, recruitment is, uh, is outstanding. So no wonder you progressed to being made partner at S3 yeah. um, on the board overseeing uh, Progressive's brand in the UK. Um, most recently, um, founder and a managing director of Insight Recruitment here in Manchester. Yeah. Um, very fast growing agency. I think, I think you, you're, you're above about 30 heads now, is That's that right? That's right, yeah. Um, in just over three years. So incredible growth. Um, alongside that, you're, uh, like I say, the founder of the Power Hive, and there's, there's a few other recruitment businesses that I know that you're involved with. Um, so tell me, Sean, um, first of all, welcome to Recruitment Radio. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Insight has been a, a real success story. Yeah. Um, there's been a, a lot of fast-growing agencies, but I think none faster than Insight. So what would you contribute that success to? Thanks, Dan. Um, good to see the sales manager in you picked up my uh, placements per month there as well. Um, I think it's a, a, a multitude of things, really. I think, um, firstly, really being clear about from the start um, what we wanted to achieve and where our position in the market is. Um, you know, I noticed a, a gap, I suppose, from your, your large corporate agencies um, that are obviously very successful in terms of their structure, their training, their approach to niche markets, but maybe don't have that, um, are too big, I suppose, to have that relationship-focused approach that a smaller boutique agency can have. So I think, I think that started really was where we wanted our ethos to be of, of you know, being able to still deliver that quality level of service. How long did you spend, spend on um, business planning? Yeah, I, I think it was... Probably, you know, one of the things and how the power hive actually started out really was was I spent a good couple of months just going meeting people, finding out about what their agency had done. You know, thankfully, um, S3 had developed a lot of really good leaders that had gone on and set their own businesses up. One thing I'm sure it's famous for. Um, and I'd worked with a lot of them over the time, myself included, Dan, we spent quite a bit of time together. Um, and, and just understanding, you know, what they're doing, what their challenges were, what they thought of the industry. 
Um, and I think actually probably putting that down in a plan was only two or three days, but I think it but was quite a lot of research behind yeah, the that, research right? Research behind it. I think there's a there's a feeling just to jump into, you know, um, into your new venture. You want to get sales in, you want to move forward. But I, I'd seen in other scenarios how how hard it was to change a culture when a culture was already established. So for me, the, the fundamental part was having a strategy, understanding what the culture wants to be, and thinking about how we're going to be different. And once you'd set that up kind of front end, yeah. um, then what other factors are, uh, uh, that you've kind of seen over the last three years have contributed to the success and the growth that you've had? I think it, um, it's about being very customer centric. I think mm. when we set Insight up, um, you know, uh, contrary to what I'd probably been used to previously, we, we said, look, we're not going to measure revenue to start with. We're not going to measure um, placements, we're going to measure relationships um, because of, because of that we thought that if we truly do measure our customer relationships and set ourselves aside to say, right, well, in our first year, if we can achieve this many customer relationships and we set ourselves 100 clients to sign or to deal with Insight, we knew that we'd do at least a couple of placements per, per client based on my experience. So rather than coming and saying, right, well, we need to be doing this every month, these KPIs, we said, well, look, let's start by really just focusing on those relationships. How do you measure those relationships? It's really interesting because there is a big shift from, you know, KPI focus to, to into measuring engagement, measuring customer service and customer satisfaction. So, yeah, ha, ha, what measurements 100%, do you put on that? I think commitment is obviously a, a big one. You know, I think if, you know, in, in a market where customers have so much choice, uh, both candidates and clients that we work with, um, you know, just actually getting a customer to meet with you, to um, commit to working with you, to, um, you know, commit to being part of, of, of your journey or your proposition. One of the things we committed to very early was events. Um, we noticed that, um, particularly in the tech side of our business, that events were, were a massive thing to candidates and a big differentiator. So, again, we were just talking originally to customers about, do you want to be part of this event? Do you want to be part of this panel we're putting together? You know, can you help us contribute with content? Um, because, I, again, our feeling was that, you know, even um, if they didn't necessarily have jobs at that time, which, again, might sound like a bit of an alien concept in recruitment, you know, um, you know, we were always taught to go where the money is type of thing. But if you see the potential in that client and you put the investment when they aren't recruiting, then our view was that that investment would pay back dividends and, and thankfully it did. So, you know, we had 120 at our first ever event um, in Manchester and, you know, I think 70 odd of those were, were, were clients, the rest were candidates, but they formed the start of some of our great relationships that, you know, one of them has gone on to be our biggest customer so far. Very smart strategy. I guess that positions you as a thought leader kind of in, in the industry. Yeah, great definitely. stuff. Let's, um, let's move to your first track. Okay. okay. So I, uh, I asked you to kind of select something that was a standout tune that you remember when you were younger. Yeah. Um, do you want to intro your track? What have you chosen and why? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it took me, took me back through. The, there was kind of R&B jumped in there. And, but I think I settled with uh, Fool's Gold by the Stone Roses. Um, an absolutely classic track. Um, two reasons, really. I think um, it's probably... For me, the first track that I really heard that 
straddled that indie genre, but still had that kind of upbeat dance element to it, which was something I'd always lean to. Um, you know, growing up as a young lad in Manchester, I'm a, a Manchester lad born and bred. Um, you can't get away from the Stone Roses, particularly if you're on the red half of the city, which I am. Um, and I think, you know... It's, for, it's the wrong way. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, mate. You're in the wrong city, but that's a different yeah, story. Yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> um, but I think, look, yeah, um, from hearing them on top of the pops, I think it was first. And just seeing that kind of, that Manchester swagger, that that confidence, that um, trendy, I think I tried to grow my hair off the back of that. Um, and I think, I think you know, it, as well as being great music, I think it started the, the um, rise of, of Manchester as a creative hub. And I, I think, again, as, as a local lad, it's something I've really been passionate about, seeing that, um, that confidence, that creativity, that that kind of unique Manchester feel. Um, and now I, I run an agency in the city. I'm actually seeing that come through in the tech side, the creative and the growth of the economy, you know, challenging London. So, so I think, yeah, it represents, for me, it represents my youth. It represents Manchester. Um, and, and, you know, there's a football element that comes in there as well. Buzzing. Yeah. Let's dive in. Perfect. Let's play it. Cool. Stone Roses and Fool's Gold, released uh, 1989, uh, the height of Manchester, a seminal dance indie crossover track, brilliant lazy broken beats, like that one. Uh, I remember my, my uh, business partner Nick Barrow dropping that at an S3, uh, an S3 ball and, and, and the place going crazy, so um, an excellent choice. Um, let's move on a little bit, Sean, let's talk a little bit about um, your, your early years in recruitment. Yeah. Uh, rising through the ranks. Um, yeah, just walk us through your early career. Uh, I mean, I took quite a different route into recruitment probably than most people. Um, did the whole education thing and then whilst I was uh, doing education, um, I started putting my own night on um, and that got me into music and, and eventually being a DJ. So um, I ended up in Ibiza for a season um, and came back thinking, I need a proper job. Um, at the time, I think like a lot of people really, um, it was probably about getting a job for the winter until going back to for the next season. Um, came into recruitment, started out with Progressive, um, working with who's now a good friend and, and another person in Power Hive, Keith, 
was my manager back in the day. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, as soon as I got into recruitment, although the timing wasn't great, it was uh, 2002 and there was just the big Lehman's brother crash, which meant that the market was in a recession. But the people that I worked with were fantastic. Um, you know, I'd never really um, experienced a, a kind of a room full of people that were so ambitious and driven. And, and you know, I, I mean, I, I was just happy to be taken for a beer on a Thursday night. You know, that, that was enough for me. Um, so I think, yeah, very quickly having, you know, the, the kind of Ibiza dream, if you like, went out the window and I, I fully threw myself into recruitment. Um, you know, I didn't have the best start in recruitment. And when I'm interviewing people now, um, I really talk about the fact I, never, I didn't make a placement for my first six months. And, you know... Should people, have been sacked, mate. I'd exactly, exactly. I think I slipped through the net somehow, probably because I was mates with the boss, but there you go. Um, no, I, I think... And, but what I did do is I really grew the foundations to my business. And I, I see people coming into recruitment now who are so desperate just to do that first deal. And, you know, all the other activities that we know brings long-term success, they go out the window. Um, so I didn't make a placement for, for the first six months, but then I went on to be top performer in, in my brand from six to 18 months. As you said, I did 100 placements over that following three years, you know, hit a lot of the, um, the trips, ended up with a Porsche Boxster and the third car at the age of 24, 25. Um, did you have long hair at this stage I as well? Actually. I could just imagine you in no, a convertible no, boxster no, with your hair, hair flowing no, in the wind. Boys no. done good here, yeah, you <laughs> know. <laughs> no, I think I think it was the short short back and sides at that stage. Yeah, maybe a bit too much gel, probably. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, and I, and I loved it. I think working with great people, um, getting the opportunity to speak to people every day. Um, and obviously all the trappings that come with being successful in, in those days in recruitment. You, uh, you know, you've been in the industry a long time. So looking back at those years, yeah. uh, you know, I think the recruitment industry has really come a long way. It's professionalised a lot. Yeah. Uh, and the way that you know, people were actually treated sometimes back then versus now sometimes makes you, makes you cringe yeah. and laugh at the same yeah. time, right? So is there a funny story or any kind of, you know... Yeah, yeah, funny story from back uh, in the day gosh, that, that, that there's, there's, put you on the spot here. That's but. all right. There's there's a load I can I can think which ones are probably worth sharing. But no, I think look, I've got I've got to mention Keith um, mainly um, because I know he'll be coming on this show at some stage. He'll probably Keith Southern is your your partner yeah, with the, the yes, Power Hive, right? And he was my first manager in recruitment, and um, you know I think from from the first interview to working with him, you know you, you found he was kind of a very aspirational guy you know you would have literally walked across hot coals for him um because of the buy-in that he had with the staff but he was he was let's say he had a kind of an alternative approach to management um you know by, it, by alternative alternative well so he um i think he was probably a bit hippie and he's thinking he, he thought well i'm a manager but i don't really want to have that structure or i don't want to tell people what to do which seems a bit seems a bit ironic as a manager but i mean from from his first day he told me that he didn't really like recruitment which was interesting but he bought himself a present every day um and and it was in the days there where ebay had just started out so you know it wasn't like amazon prime where it comes the next day so he'd buy he said the way i see it is i'll buy myself something every day and then over a course of a month i'll forget what what it is 
So every day I come into work, I get a new present. So <laughs> some of these would be a, a CD right through to he bought a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, I think, online and got that delivered to the office. He, he did, and he, at the time he lived in a house that was along the most uneven gravel drive, right? Yeah. He had this really low Ferrari that just went <laughs> scraping down the drive every day to work. Brilliant. And I'll never forget his... Um, well, on towards the end um, of his recruitment career, he, 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 we came in one Monday morning um, and he was in the meeting room and he never did a Monday morning meeting. So we we're all like, what, what's this about? Came in the meeting room and he said, look, he said, I've told the CEO at the time that if we don't hit X bonus over the quarter, I'm going to leave. And he said, because I'm that confident we're going to hit it. He so he said, for me, that's live by the sword, die by the sword. And at this stage, we looked up and he brought two samurai swords in from home and had fastened them to the wall. And there was a, a list of on one side of all the kind of positive things if we did hit the target for the quarter. And there was all the negative things down the other side. I think one of them, there was a girl who had hair down to, down to her bum and he... he, he it was he was going to shave her hair off if she didn't hit the, hit the quarterly target. So yeah, yeah, character, shall we say? Old school management uh, techniques. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Work for me. I would still I get my to this day, if I'm honest, but um, I'm not sure if you could pull it off in the same way. Yeah. Right. Let's go to your second track. So um, this is a, a track that, that reminds you of that early career, that that early time um, when you were rising through the ranks. What have you chosen? So I have chosen um, a track called Free by Ultranate. Um, and I think it's probably more just uh, two, two things, really. I think it's a time and a place. Um, I'll always remember my first company incentive. I think we were in Parma. Um, we were in uh, Pasha in Parma, of all places. And it was, you know, daft o'clock on the dance floor. And out of maybe 50 people that were still there, there was 25 that were from, from our office and... You know, the lights come on, um, this tune comes out and ultimately everybody's singing, you know, hands in the air and thinking what a great bunch of people to be with. I think the, the other side to it is, is probably what some of the lyrics in the track really resonated with me as being a young professional in recruitment because it talks about being free, being able to do what you wanted to do. And I think recruitment did give you that opportunity to build a business and the trappings that came with that, you could probably maybe have a lifestyle that you might not have got in other industries. So, lovely analogy. And with that, let's, let's, let's listen to it.
Ultranate with a free, released 1997 on Strictly Rhythm. What a label that is. Amazing, yeah. Um, uh, other tracks on Strictly Rhythm, I think you remember Josh Wink's Higher State of oh, Consciousness. Yes, Eric Murillo, uh, Real to Real, back yeah, in the day. Yeah. I like to move it, move it. Yeah. Wamdu Project, uh -huh. King of My Castle, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Some, uh, some old favourites. It's now actually run by Simon Dunmore, Defected. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, top track. Yeah. Um, right, so this is a part of the, the podcast, really, where I want you to think about what you know now as uh, you know, as someone that's 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 worked for a, a, a FTSE two fifty listed company, yeah. you know, have got your own successful recruitment business and you've scaled that. Yeah. So there's some wisdom that you pick up along the way. Of course. And for for all the, the, the rising stars and, and recruitment leaders that might be listening, I just want you to, to kind of impart, you know, some of your lessons that you've learned, or some of the things that you would tell a younger version of yourself with the knowledge that you have now. Okay. Um, I think number one for me would probably be be humble. Um, you know, when I'm interviewing people now to bring into my business, I think humility is probably one of the key traits that I look for. Um, and, and what I mean by that is is be able to take on feedback, be able to have that growth mindset, be able to collaborate. You know, I think there was a feeling in earlier stages of recruitment to kind of to say you were wrong about something was to show a weakness or to say you didn't understand something was to show a weakness or if you made a mistake with a customer it was a case of no it, it was their mistake so so i think firstly humility and, and and being able to grow in that way i think um linked into it would probably be be authentic in whatever it is you do um you know as a leader i remember being given advice to say well you know, you don't really want to show them that side of your personality or keep a bit of a distance between your staff and, and yourself. And I think, again, when I think about the best leaders that I've seen or that I've worked with, they've got an authenticity to them that you, you know, it's not always perfect, but you, you trust them um, and you know they're genuine. And I think also when I think about the best salespeople that I've got, being different and having that personality, I suppose, in, in today's world, is, is really important. Um, it's really it's intriguing that you've chosen yeah. um, character traits yeah. there. Yeah. Because I think as you, well, I know from my own experience, when you're younger, yeah. you're more worried about the judgment of other individuals. Of yeah, yeah, how people are perceiving you. Yeah. Where should your place in society be? Yeah. So just not sweating that stuff as much and just being authentic. Right? I think that's a lovely message. 100%. And, and linked into that, I suppose, being patient and... You know, I think, um, I think, you know, whether you're building a business, whether you're building a market, whether you're starting on that leadership path to be a manager, um, you know, there's so many pressures, probably the pressures that you put on yourself, the pressures that you get from, from work, from modern life, I suppose. There's a, there's a kind of a risk to rush everything, particularly now in the, in the dawn of social media where, you know, you can order something today and it can be with you this afternoon. Um, but I think really, if you're going to build something special, um, then you've got to be patient and put the hard work in early. Brilliant, fantastic. Um, so, um, track number three, um, I asked you to select something that holds a bit of personal significance to you. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, tell us what you've chosen and what you've gone with. Yeah, so I think this is probably crossing more into the, the other side of my life, if you like, over the, the last 18 years, which has been DJing. Um, and it's a track called Octave One by Blackwater. Um, absolutely classic track. Cute. Yeah, exactly. I think it's one of the first ever techno tracks from what, from what I believe. Um, but, but again, it's music for me is about memories, really, and creating memories. And, and this holds a really dear memory to me. Um, I was um, fortunate enough in my DJ career to, to close Pasha, uh, the main room at Pasha, for the closing weekends. So, you know, um, myself and Mike, my partner who I DJed with at the time, um, I think we were on the last set, three till five, the graveyard shift. Um, and normally, um, if I was DJing at that time, there'd be a good few drinks before and during. But because it was such a big, big gig, gig. I was like, yeah. wow, you know, right, this is, this is kind of the pinnacle for me. So, you know, don't mess it up, Sean. So no drinking, um, even though there was a rabble of friends that, you know, were, were certainly taking advantage of, of the night. Um, and then, yeah, we, we played a great set. The place was absolutely buzzing. Um, and uh, and the uh, bar manager knew that I wasn't drinking. He'd lined up six um, Hurbas, they're called, in a Beethoven local uh, local shop, basically. So myself and Mike knocked those six back, and then uh, Danny Whittle at the time, the um, the music program director for Pasha, came along and said, "Look, boys, you're doing so well. I want you to play on for another hour." <laughs> so I was like, Whoops. "Okay, those six <laughs> shots probably weren't a good idea." But I've got to say, I think, well, I personally thought that hour was probably the best, best hour, <laughs> hour of my music career. And then, look, that you know, finished with with this tune, the lights came on. Um, you know, you kind of go from realizing that there's four thousand people dancing in front of you. Uh, the lights came on and, and you know finished with this track and I can still feel the goosebumps pulled now when I when it when I I've uh... got goosebumps just hearing <laughs> that story so let's 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 check the track Cheers. out. Thank you. Save one with black water. Um, I, I think I owned that on vinyl. If I remember, it's got like a big ship, like the QE2 has, or yeah. something like yeah, that on the, on, yeah, on the vinyl. Yeah. You don't get that with digital tracks these days, no, but the, the placement of having uh, the visuals of a, of a piece of vinyl yeah, made you, always makes me remember it a bit more. Um, Anne Saunderson on vocals. That's it. Um, yeah. So um, we're getting to the end of the podcast now. Um, 
I'm just going to throw a couple of questions at you. Okay. If you had to be locked in a room yeah. uh, with just one album for a year, what would it be? You're obviously going to get pretty bored of it. Yeah. Uh, gosh. Uh, do you know what? I think um, it's a bit of a left field trap, but The Verve would probably be Urban Hymns was Bittersweet Symphony. Other tracks on there for me just... You know, kind of got that that feeling. Yeah, I'd say that. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, finally, imagine it's uh, Monday morning. Yeah. Um, and it's raining. Yeah. You haven't slept well. Okay. Probably had a couple too many drinks on a Sunday. Okay. You've broken your own rule. <laughs> yeah. You're not feeling like you just had an argument with the missus when yeah. you went to bed. Yeah. Your energy's feeling a bit low. Got to go into the office. Okay. Yeah. Um, what tune are you going to put on to lift your spirits, motivate that 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 sales force? Yeah. And you said dance floor. Yeah. Yeah. You're nearly DJ, well, right? Yeah. Um, you know what, what 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 track would you select? Yeah, I, I think for me um, the track I've chosen for this would be "Ain't Nobody" by Chaka Khan. Um, so I think again, you know, even you, you mentioned dance floor, but I think this track would work on a dance floor. But it quite easily has work on a sales floor. I've seen, you know, weddings where where everybody sat down and this track comes on and all of a sudden the dance floor, but it's got that unique bit of energy. Um, you can't beat a good disco track. Um, and this for me is one of the best. Awesome. Let's go in. <laughs> Shaka Khan, Ain't Nobody, uh, what a track. Remember seeing her live in concert twice, once at a Southport weekend, her 50th, 50th anniversary. Um, her new album actually, Hello Happiness, has a track called uh, Like Sugar that I'm gonna feature on the playlist oh, as well, right. uh, that, that I'm really into. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that's just about all we've got time for today. No problem. Um, I just wanted to say thanks so much for, uh, for sharing, for choosing, um, some lovely music and um, can I just say uh, yeah, best of luck with all your endeavours and uh, much, see you around. Cheers, cheers, you want to go? Nice Thanks, one. Buddy.